Hello and welcome back to Trash and Treasury with Grace and Miranda, the podcast where we give you the serious stuff but with a side of total garbage. (laughs) That we do. And look, we couldn't not talk about it. Hilaria Baldwin. (laughs) She's made a splash and we thought we need to cover what the hell's going on with her. If you're like myself and only recently figured out what the hell the controversy was, we'll be explaining it and also diving into some other really interesting examples of cultural appropriation. So interesting. So funny. So weird. So weird. Can't wait to talk about that. Um, (laughs) And then for our trash, we caved into peer pressure and we noticed everyone in the world was watching Bridgerton. So, so did we. Yes. Sadly, we did. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to tell you all about our thoughts on Bridgerton. Uh, Spoiler alert, they're not great. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And spoiler alert, you don't need to worry about spoilers because um, it's a very predictable show. So, Feel free to enjoy our conversation with no stress about spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. But first, tell me, what is going on with Ilaria Baldwin? You may have seen an Instagram post or a cooking show or a segment or someone very attractive in bikinis called mm. Hilaria Baldwin, who is more commonly known as Alec Baldwin's Spanish wife. Mm-hmm. Or is she? Because. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Spoiler alert. Her real name is... Hillary Lynn Hayward Thomas. Mm. And she ain't Spanish. She is from Boston. And she has been fooling us for years. And she, the question is, has she also been fooling Alec Baldwin? Mm. Because he has said on multiple occasions, I have a Spanish wife. You know, they have five children grace they have five Mm. children and i have to laugh at this i'm sorry but she calls them the baldwinitos (laughs) and they've all got very very spanish names they're called like leonardo carmen gabriela eduardo romeo and rafael like could you have picked any more Spanish names for your children. Well, she's like overcompensating for the fact she's not Spanish by playing up the Spanish things. But I mean, you know how um, in movies, you know, a rom-com, you know, you're just Mm. a standard rom-com, even in Sex and the City, you know, where someone meets another person. So perhaps she met Alec Baldwin at a bar and she was like, I'm going to pretend to be Spanish today. And then... You like know. you last week pretending to be Irish. At yes, exactly. Imagine if you picked up a guy when you were trying to sell charities and then you just became yeah. Irish for the rest of your life. I know. Life. And a normal That's person. That's basically what she did. It's totally what she did. And a normal person would panic and be like, yeah, Soz, that's a little bit embarrassing for me. But realistically, I'm not going to keep up this charade because I'm not 
Irish and in her case I'm not Spanish and I'm not from Mallorca (laughs) so Mm. basically the hilarious part about this is that she's like you know I identify as a Spanish woman you can't Mm. just identify as a culture you know I love Thai food I am not Thai um Mm. you know I love Irish accents I am not, in fact, Irish. Mm. You know, like it. there are things that we will go into because cultural appropriation is essentially the assuming of an identity of a culture that isn't yours and appropriating that for yourself. And sometimes that can happen on a large scale. So with in cultural fashion, uh, in our how we dress, how we might dance, how we might project ourselves or our voice or our intonation or something like that. There's sort of broader things, things like hoop earrings or, um, you know, big uh, sort of afros and things like that, you know, being more African-American influence and things like that, that a lot of people would say are problematic but what I would say are that they're sort of more general things that are ingrained into cultures as a whole, whereas mm. literally assuming the identity of a culture that isn't yours is just so wrong. And there are a few theories about why this has caused such a stir. One of oh, them really? being, yes, so one of them is that uh, Hilaria is – an absolutely stunning, gorgeous woman who essentially picked up a guy, played a joke, but then, you know, has kept up this act for such a long time of being Spanish and had five kids. I mean, that's a long time to keep up a lie. But she has made a lot of money and profited off the fact that she is this sexy Spanish woman. That's the problem. Yeah, That's so she's on this cooking show and she's like, doesn't know how to say cucumber. And she's like, oh, uh, mm, this cucumber, how you say in your country, you know, like it's just oh so awful oh thinking gosh. about it. It's so cringeworthy. But, you know, I actually heard that Alec Baldwin defended her at the start, but I think they're actually living in separate houses now so there's also kind of like shit he she actually fooled him too um but I don't know about that this is a gray area on that but the big theory is that she's this stunning Spanish woman who's made lots of money off of pretending to be Spanish and she's gorgeous and she's had five children and she still looks like a supermodel and people hate that you know people hate hot women having babies and then posting, you know, pictures of their hot, flat tummy. So they're trying afterwards. to tear her down and expose her fake Spanish yeah. roots. Yeah, yeah. So and now that this has come out, they're like, yes, let's tear this bitch down. Mm, and it's I think a bit that, of both, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I honestly think it's, it's not a far-fetched theory at all. It's kind of like, hang on. You can't just pretend to be Spanish to just get all these accolades. Like, what a humongous lie. I Mm. I don't think I've heard anything quite so famous where someone has lied to this extent. Oh, there's a very famous one that's even worse than this, which is Rachel Dolezal. Dolezal, yeah. And she was like this 
black activist professor, <sighs> like on all these committees for black rights and you know, a proud African-American woman. And then it came out that she's just a white lady in blackface for 15 years. And she was God, was it that prof- long, Grace? I had no idea oh, it was 15 years. Oh, it was for years. 15 years, yeah. And she was like fully like at the top of these organisations that she'd like been so embedded in and was just in blackface the whole time. Oh, my God. <laughs> so bad. It is And it's so a similar bad. situation to this, yeah. And... The other thing, uh, I remember when that story came out years ago about Rachel Dolezal, mm. there was there was a broader conversation about uh, a new concept called black fishing. Have you heard about this? And it's called yeah. it, it's called it's uh, black fishing with a pH, like fishing. And mm. um, it's essentially sort of being ethnically vague with your aesthetics. So in terms of people perhaps on Instagram, you know, similar to Hilaria, but not actually saying that they're African-American or from a specific ethnicity. But happy for people to assume that. But happy for people to assume that. They might wear hoop earrings. They might wear tons of fake tan. They might have uh, either naturally or, um, you know, deliberately curled hair to Mm. look more like an African-American person so that and then maybe use the slang that goes along with that culture and what people hated about hate about this uh, concept is that you know people who are sort of passing for some of these Mm. cultures are getting all of the benefits of what comes with the proudness of being a black person and the whilst cult- also getting all the systemic privileges of really being a white person of actually being white yeah of having systemic privilege and it's like african-american people you know have it, it's just they've overcome they've overcome so much and still have to um and they have so much richness in their culture as well that but is, white people are taking the spots but you can't just take it i mean far out white people have enough things so this don't black fishing thing is really interesting there's another example of this that hasn't she hasn't really been cancelled for it yet people kind of aren't really talking about it but ariana grande <gasps> Ooh. she's a white lady that lets people think she's latina and her fake tan is getting darker and darker and she's also kind of like uses black slang and lets people assume she's latina like what race did you think she was She's just white. She's just very pale with fake tan on. To be honest, I didn't think that she was African American. I didn't think you that did. At all. No, I didn't. I didn't no. think that. I thought that she was potentially um, Latina. Uh, well, yeah, either Latina or a, like sort of Italian Greek background. She's Italian, but she's oh. like pasty Italian. She's pasty not Italian. like her skin is not that color. Yeah, but Grace, everybody looks like an Oompa Loompa these days, including Ariana Grande. So, I That's mean, true. I'm so, I'm so used she's to also, it. in her video clips and stuff, she does a lot of, like, um, cultural appropriation, fashion and, like, yeah. You know, that's a really good one. Yeah, that's a really mm. good one. What about Kim Ka- What about the Kardashians? Well, they're Armenian. They're, they're Armenian. Proud, they're proudly Armenian. They're always talking about it. So I feel Are like... They? 
Unless they're not Armenian, <laughs> then Ooh. that would be a scandal. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, the next conspiracy. Again, we should um, talk to our friends at QAnon. Uh, but I guess they're pretending to be black, I guess. like They're, they're pretending to be black. Yeah, 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 that's true. They're adopting the, you know, <laughs> big butt thing and the fake tan, dark features. I mean, a lot of people criticize them for that. And I can see like the people on the other side would be like, well, what is wrong with the fact that, you know, they are celebrating black culture and surrounding themselves with black people and stuff. And the key thing is they're profiting off letting people assume that they have some sort of social thing that they actually don't. You're right. They have just been trying Mm. to have people assume that, you know, they're black, you know, Let's be real. That's what they're doing. Another Mm. interesting example of cultural appropriation was the one and only Belle Gibson. If you want to rewind a little throwback to season one, Mm. our Northside hipster cancer faker. And, you know, she cured herself uh, with only a healthy diet and she caused, yeah, Huge issues cause people to literally die with it's her bad sh- health advice. so shocking she's not in jail. I know. For manslaughter. I know. Mm. Uh, conspiracy theorists, yeah. I haven't seen many of them in jail, Grace, for bad health advice. Only cult, cult leaders. And um, we're still waiting to hear the outcome of the final, final outcomes of the Finding Nexium leaders right. we actually should do a deep dive on that as well we definitely should but i still mm. i still feel like there's more that's going to happen so mm. it's kind of a little bit tricky to do a deep dive yet you know but we definitely have a lot to say on that so that's such a good idea we should definitely do that mm. so tell me bell cultural appropriation i think you did mention this in the yes. Gwyneth Paltrow episode, yes. <laughs> so after that all came crashing down, and although she never admitted it, she then thought, hmm, what else can I do that's fake? So she decided to pretend to be adopted by an Ethiopian Melbourne community called the Oromo people and now calls herself Sabontu. <laughs> Wears a headscarf. Pretending to be Ethiopian, and I and we laughed about it in that episode. But I mean, it is absolutely wrong, and because she's, you know, just so silly. I mean, is I, she still doing that, or was that just a phase? I mean, people aren't reporting on it as much. I think COVID took over the headlines. Yeah, you know, again, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like uh, I just had to remind myself of what the name of the culture was, and there's still many, many articles about her. Um, but yeah, of course, um, there's only so much you can say when someone's pretending to be part of a community that do not want her. So the Ethiopian community are like, we didn't adopt you. Go away. <laughs> Like, it is hilarious. I mean, that's hilarious. Whereas the difference between that and Rachel Dolezal was that she was completely accepted by the community and everything, and that was, like, such a betrayal when they realised that she was a scammer. Whereas Mm. with Belle Gibson, she wasn't fooling anyone. They were like, who are you? (laughs) Yeah, who are you? (laughs) You're literally a convicted con artist. 
you can can F off. You know, we don't believe you. Um, (laughs) The other interesting thing about Rachel Dolezal is that people were sort of really conflicted by it because, yes, she was accepted by the community, but she was doing such good work. Like she was such Mm. an amazing activist. And she got so much good stuff done and she was fighting a good fight, but she was still pretending. You know, it was just this horrible betrayal and I can totally see how people were betrayed. But but it's colonialism. It should be self-determination and stuff and, like, it is really bad. Like, people that are fighting for, you know, black rights should be black people. Yeah. And obviously allies can fight as well. Like, we need allies. But um, the fact she was, like, pretending to understand these issues and making a really successful career for herself. She's apparently now facing 15 years in in jail, though, for fraud because she was uh, unrelatedly scamming the welfare system. Oh. Mm. So, again, it's, like, same as Belle Gibson. Like, there seems to be a bit of a pattern where this is, like, just an extra thing that, like, scammers that don't care about consequences seem to just also gravitate towards profiting off stuff including other people's cultures yeah absolutely absolutely god i mean it is it is horrible what do you i don't know what the solution is i mean it's just an interesting conversation but obviously people shouldn't do this you know people shouldn't yeah. do it i don't think pretend to be spanish or black or yeah a, 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 a romo person <laughs> a romo person i mean but then you know how far do you go i mean you know should people never um make jokes should people never assume accents i mean i just put on hilaria baldwin's accent her fake Spanish accent. I've put on Irish accents before. Um, mm. You know, I've definitely worn hoop earrings and I've I've um, done a fake perm to myself to look like, you know, an 80s um, <laughs> aerobics person, you know. Like, I mean, so much of what we do can be problematic. Um, but I think that it's all just about awareness and crossing certain lines so obviously um people have mentioned you know the hoop earrings and how Mm. that and how this is you know pc gone too far and the black community are saying it's not about hoop earrings and that is the point it's not about hoop earrings it's about so much more than hoop earrings it's like Mm. that is an insignificant detail that you can't just throw the whole concept out because you disagree with that component. It's like how people say, oh, Mm. feminism is stupid because I opened a door for somebody and they yelled at me. It's like, Mm. no, that's just one example of somebody potentially going too far and, you know, humiliating you, which need not be needed to not happen, but also just somebody who you don't agree with but that does not represent the entire movement and the entire reason for discussing it cultural appropriation you know it doesn't take into account uh the bits that people are trying to take on that are positive completely diminishing the negatives and the systemic privilege that people have when they adopt a culture and only adopt the good points and none of the negatives Yeah, that is super interesting, isn't it? Um, And it is about power and privilege. That is basically the crux of it. And 
Look, for everything we said in the intro about uh, not being excited to talk about Bridgerton, there actually is issues of power and privilege and culture um, at play in Bridgerton as well. So I think maybe it's time to slide over to trash. Yeah, let's do it. So Bridgerton is a show on Netflix. It's based on romance novels. It's set in kind of Jane Austen era and it was just so popular. Like everyone's talking about it and (laughs) it came out around the same time as the insurrection at the Capitol and there was a lot of memes where it was like Washington on fire and someone being like, have you watched Bridgerton yet? (laughs) 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 Um, They are the two binaries of our um, world right now, Bridgerton yeah. and the storming of the Capitol. <laughs> so I was like, we better watch Bridgerton. I told you to watch it. We both watched it. Um, but it's kind of overrated. I don't get it. Neither. What's the big deal? I so don't get it. And, you know, I even heard the other day because Netflix uh, used to be quite notorious for not releasing statistics of what, yeah, because they didn't want anything to be, you know, rated badly. They wanted people to randomly come across some stupid movie on there and watch it and then realise it was stupid afterwards. You know, like they wanted to kind of keep it um, vague. But recently they have released their statistics and mm-hmm. Bridgerton, I'm pretty sure, was the biggest or second biggest watched show on Netflix. And I just thought, what the hell? Wow. I mean, Queen, Queen's Gambit did come close, but I totally don't get it. I don't get it. I thought it was so underwhelming. And the fact that it was, we didn't mention, it's by Shonda Rhimes. Yeah. I think that's another reason we had such high hopes. So she did Grey's Anatomy and Scandal, for those who don't know. And How to Get Away with Murder, did she do that? I think so. Yeah. And she produced this and it's just... It is just so not her. I mean, maybe she was trying to do something different, but it's a historical sappy gossip girl like that's it is what basically gossip girl it's like sad gossip girl with violins sad gossip girl with violins <laughs> <laughs> pretty much i mean was the not only, sad the only well it was like depressing gossip girl as in like boring like oh sad, boring in, yeah. Like, yeah yeah my gotcha. mood every time i watched it and the episodes went for a whole hour. It was so boring. Same. I was like, oh, I thought this episode would have been over by now. Like- this could have been 20 minutes, at least 40, not an hour. But I think the one Shonda Rhimesy part about it that is like the one actually cool part about the show is the colorblind casting. So unlike Hamilton, which is color conscious yes. casting, very deliberate, this is more just like random, uh, not particular roles that are particular you know races and the main love interest is a black man who everyone is obsessed with is like the breakout star the duke everyone loves the duke and that was Shonda Rhimes and the other creator's decision because the books it's based on that's not a thing all the characters are white in the books so that was a really deliberate and very cool part of it 
Yeah, so can you tell me what the difference is between colour-conscious casting and colour-blind casting? Because it's just kind of a new concept that I've heard of. But they Mm. also did this in The Great, and I believe that was also colour-blind casting. Am I right? I haven't seen The Great. Okay. But generally, like, colour-blind is kind of like something generally white people say, where they're like, I just don't see colour and people that don't actually recognize that there are historical structural power imbalances and like colorblind is more just kind of random whereas color conscious is like something really deliberate and in Hamilton it was like really deliberate that they wanted to make all of the founding fathers people of color um whereas in Bridgerton it's just kind of like ad hoc some characters are black and some characters are white and like that's cool too It's really interesting though, yeah, and particularly why they did it with Bridgerton is because there is a historical rumour. So Queen Charlotte in Bridgerton is based on a real queen called Queen Charlotte and there is some rumours that maybe she was black. Really? Yeah, and that's actually what gave Shonda Rhimes and the other creator the idea for this. What do you Um, mean there's rumours she was black? So she was German, but she had African ancestry. And when you look at portraits of her, she just looks white, but it was quite common that portrait painters would sort of play up certain characteristics that were in fashion and play down other characteristics. So they might have like whitewashed the portraits and some portraits of her do look more um, African facial features. So genuinely they do think maybe she was like the first black royal in Britain. So how did that even happen, given their pure bloodline? She must have married in. She was German. Um, and also it probably didn't happen, I guess. <laughs> like, Yeah. <laughs> when they look into it, they're like, maybe she was black. Wouldn't that be cool? But then it's like, well, she's like Queen Victoria's mum. So then like they yeah. all have African descent, which it's like, mm, Okay. Well, this brings me to a very important question. I thought this was a work of fiction. Uh, it is. It is. It is, But it's right? set in a certain period of time with a certain queen that's real. Oh, interesting. Very, but very interesting. But it is fiction, the story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And the girl who plays the main love interest Daphne. character. Daphne. She's in Younger. She plays the Irish girl who gets pregnant. Oh, haven't That's seen that far. the only thing that um, I've seen her in. Um, I don't know. I loved the main guy who played the Duke. Yeah, he's like the only good thing about Just it. Just beautiful to look at, which I think mm. is why everyone's obsessed with it. But look, I, I think mean, so. there's a lot of historical dramas out there. And it is a very light show, I'll give you that. And there is nothing wrong with a light show and there is also nothing wrong with a show. But it's literally boring. It's literally boring and I watch a lot of shit, I think we've established. I watch everything good, bad and in between and I was very disinterested by Bridgerton, I have to say. Mm. I just don't get it. And every episode I was sort of like, oh, God, I guess we've got to cover this for the pod, you know, and Mm. I wasn't really that interested. I kept watching it, but I'm actually at the last episode and I didn't even bother finishing it. So I'm going to need to. Neither did I. So if something (laughs) really good happened in the second half of the last episode, sorry, like we missed that. Is that why everyone loves it? I don't know. (laughs) Damn it. 
Should we quickly look this up? No, I'm sure it's fine. I was going to look it up on Wikipedia, <laughs> but I'm sure it's fine. The other thing is that um, season two of Bridgerton is not even going to be about the Duke. What? It's going to be about like one of the other Bridgerton siblings, one of the brothers. And I feel like, again, with the whole like racial thing they were trying to do, they deliberately chose like, white men that look the same because I literally have no idea which brother is who and I've watched <gasps> it all. Grace, I was about to say the same thing. At the end when um, it's revealed that one of the brothers is dating the seamstress. Yeah. I was like, there's a third brother? No, literally. I was like, I is that the same one dating the opera guy? I thought he was dating like I thought he was dating the opera singer. Is he like the one that goes does paintings? Literally no idea. And so season two they is about like identical. Andrew Bridgerton. I don't know who that is and I don't care. I feel like they really just <laughs> need to make it a show about the Duke. Like, <laughs> It definitely needs to be about the Duke because he is so hot and he's the only reason to watch this. I mean, every... Everybody in the sh- like who's talked about the show has always talked about the sex scenes, you know. And mm. um, honestly, again, didn't care that much. I mean, sure they were okay, but it what for one, I was like, I thought Bridgerton was full of sex scenes. Yeah, there's actually not that many. It didn't even happen until episode six. I was like, yeah. there is like hardly a sex scene up until then. It was very you know, just alluded to. And I'm sorry, but that is not even close to original. People are obsessed with this because I thought it was going to be quite like the Tudors, which is very full of Mm. sex, you know, and a lot of fantastic sex scenes. I'll never forget when he, uh, at the finale, I think of season two uh, or the season one, where he, Henry VIII, takes Anne Boleyn into the bushes and she gets Mm. off. Have you seen the Tudors? No. Oh, my God. God, that is like the best sex scene in history in that in that TV show, and oh, it's amazing because they're just they've been wanting each other for so long, and they just go off into the bushes, and she gets off her horse, and he gets off his horse, and they're walking completely separately, and she's storming off into the bushes, and then she just takes off her clothes, and then he takes off his clothes, and then they just like literally have sex in the bush, and it's just the hottest thing ever, and. This was nothing like that. (laughs) Take your word for it, that steamy bush scene. Who knows? (laughs) But no, I agree. Like This was like, yeah, it was nothing to write home about. I do agree. Like that made it slightly more palatable by the time it got to like episode six. I was like, oh, it got a bit more interesting, not just because of the sex scenes, but the plot intensified um, at that point as well. Which so, I did think was interesting. The one yeah, interesting... Was, yeah, the one interesting episode. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, spoilers, I guess, but also who cares? Um, mm. I don't know. It's a very predictable show. So, I don't think... Oh, my God. It's so predictable. <laughs> it's like, there's, like, not the a lot The second they were spoil. like, we're going to pretend to date, it's like, you're obviously going to fall in love. Obviously. Obviously. And then, oh, my God. I, I, look... I know that we've got a whole segment dedicated to dying on a hill, but I have yeah. to I have to die on a Bridgerton hill, which of is course. what a stupid reason to not have a kid. I'm sorry, a bloody grudge. 
a bloody yeah. grudge. And then he's like, I can't, I'd rather die. And then they go and have a duel. And then she's like, yeah. I, we will marry. We will marry and it will be grand. You know, like, oh, my God, get over yourself. It's a stupid reason. If you don't want to carry on her name, take Daphne's last name. Take Daphne, take Daphne's last name. Let her a bloody, I don't know, think of another solution. Make your own family. Like change your yeah. name. Create, you know, move yeah. con- move countries. Start a new identity. Blend the names. You know, there's so many things you could have done. And back in those days, I just found it so unbelievable that he would have hated his father more than wanting to sire an heir to his fortune. Like that is just so mm. ridiculous that he would have wanted that. His father that. was an asshole. His father was an asshole, sure, but like the fact, I don't know, I just, I found it really dumb. I, I just didn't believe it. And again, I will always defend that a movie doesn't have to be, or a TV show have to be super realistic because it doesn't, mm. but I just, I didn't believe it, you know, me personally, and I can get lost in a show, but I just didn't believe his reasons. It just didn't feel like something that would really happen or that he would be that passionate about. And she has every right. She gets pissed off. She's like, um, you made a vow to me too. And then what I really liked was the ethical blurred lines of the fact that she's a virgin. She doesn't know how to have sex and she doesn't know where babies come from. Mm. And that's made very apparent in like episode one when they are their cousin one of their cousins is pregnant and they're like, but how does somebody get pregnant? And they're like, I don't know. People get married and then they just have babies like none none of them know how sex works and where the you know what sperm is and anything like that so when she has sex for the first time and they're enjoying themselves he always pulls out yeah (laughs) and explodes elsewhere and it just was so funny like I did burst out laughing every time he did that but um so did I and I was also just (laughs) thinking well they're gonna get pregnant sooner or later if that's his contraception yeah if you're if you're using the pull out method like good luck not siring an air you idiot you clearly don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. But then it was really bad what Daphne then did, which was like Yeah. So then make she him come inside her when he didn't want to. Then she gets on top and he can't control himself and she just sits on top of him and he comes inside he says, her. Like, Stop. Yeah. <gasps> he it's says, bad. It's it is really bad. And I thought, oh, this is like the the only good part about Bridgerton because I thought that's actually like a very interesting ethical blurred line and that's usually mm. what Shonda does well but unfortunately mm. she was trying to do something different and failed in the rest of the show but that was really interesting and I have no idea how it ends but um, I'm guessing he comes around and they get pregnant or she actually just was <laughs> with child and she got her period so yeah but ultimately, like, if season two is about a different sibling, then, you know, how are they going to do a season two? Because that was, like, the only semi-interesting thing. The rest of the world and of Bridgerton and all of the other little bits of town and walking around parading, that bit is all so boring. Um, I found the storyline about the woman who was with child wanting to marry herself off I found that not even very interesting um Mm. I found the other Bridgertons not very interesting either I really liked I think it's Eloise oh yeah the feminist the feminist feminist. yeah the token feminist and she doesn't want to you know um 
I want to go to university. Yeah. <laughs> she just, I don't know. She was a bit of a caricature as well. Like every she was episode very she much. was like, but can't we just go to university? Like she didn't really do much. Oh, I mean, Grace, I'm clutching at some straws here. I mean, she yeah, was. No, she I, was cool. I totally agree. Like she was totally a caricature. I was not in love with absolutely any character. I found Daphne Except to be <laughs> super annoying. I found Daphne yeah. to be whiny and and pouty and damselly fake, which I just the cutesiness. Oh, can't deal with it. You know, you know my my hill about cutesiness, and I just found mm. her to be so annoying. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a lot of positive things to say about this show. But what are we missing? Like, what are we missing? Write into us on the socials and explain. Well, Grace, I think we need to take a deep dive for just a moment. Let's take a pause and let's find out what happens. So this is what I found in my very first search of what happens next. With the identity of Lady Whistledown settled, they discuss the difficulty of not having a duchess for a sister and realise that more chocolate is the only solution for now. Simon does some origami on the couch and decides that, hey, kids are fun. (laughs) (laughs) I did see the origami scene. I got that far. Oh, my God. That is so lame and so unimaginative. What are they thinking? Okay, I have a bit more detail. Please. So so the pregnant girl tried to give herself an abortion and then she's like, I'm not pregnant, so I'm not marrying my dead fiancé's brother. I don't know if you saw that bit. Oh, I saw her go into like, like she says she needs a doctor. Then the queen says to the agents to capture Lady Whistletown, but Aloise tips her off and is like, run away. And then um, the Simon and Daphne reconcile, and that leads Lady Whistleton to declare that it is the best ball of the season. And then Aloise realizes Genevieve is not Lady Whistleton. It is revealed to be Penelope, the little sister that wears yellow. I knew it. Yeah. And flash forward. Shows the birth of Daphne and Simon's first child, a son. What? Yeah, they, they had a son. So she, you were right. She probably didn't have a miscarriage. She just got her period and it was to psych us out. Look, I feel like that doesn't change anything. Still a bad show. Oh, yeah. Shocking. Okay. So apparently there's some ball and after they've, you know, been like, no, I'm not having kids. And she's like, meh, you're a dick. Apparently, the morning after the ball, Simon, who's looking hotter than ever, confesses that he doesn't know how to be the husband Daphne needs. They agree to remain together and get down to business of reconciling by making love, complete where a finish where Simon takes the active role and doesn't pull out. Oh, oh yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. What it's a love just story. So shit. I'm so underwhelmed and I'm so unhappy with it. I'm disappointed that everybody loves it so much. I mean, I find it hard to like this era at the best of times. And you'd think it was something that I would love because I love sometimes like romantic stories and I love historical fiction actually, but it has to be like 
quite historical. That Jane Austen era I find to be all the rules about politeness really irk me. They just really get on my nerves. Like it just really pisses me off. I mean, I know that it's possibly realistic. I know that, you know, um, being polite and having social status and everything is important in societies like that but and at that boring. time. But it's effing boring. And I, I just, if I have to listen to another conversation of, oh, well, you know, you can take your leave now. Oh, but should I? Or should I not take my leave? Well, you know how it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Absolutely kill me. <laughs> yeah. Just say something. Like, I'm just like, just say it, just say it. You know, it really irritates me. In terms of the historical accuracy, I think one final thing that's interesting about, like, Bridgerton is some people are like, this isn't accurate because, like, some people are black. Whereas actually <laughs> most Jane Austen-y uh, movies and shows have are not historically accurate because everyone's white and that wasn't correct. Like there actually was a lot of um, black immigrants even in those days and like. Really? The, yes. Yeah. I there didn't was. know that. Well, exactly. Like no one ever is like, this isn't accurate when everyone's white. We're just like, oh, yeah, that seems right. But hang but on. No. Weren't there still slaves up until, you know, a certain period of time and they weren't there allowed was to be in high society? They were definitely 20, able to 20,000 free blacks living in London in that era. In Were they – and they weren't They weren't like servants. lords and ladies, but they were, um, you know, around in scenes that – that don't get ever shown in any like Jane Austen anything. Wow. So like that's most of our shows are not accurate. So I think that's an important point when people are like, but Bridgerton's not accurate. Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a great point. But also, of course, it's not accurate. I mean, the whole point is that they're mixing up the casting. It's colorblind casting. Mm. That's the whole. That's the whole point. Is because you know, white actors have all also had the upper hand in the film industry, and exactly. you know, people of color forever wanting to play roles that people are like, oh, but if you play this role, it's not historically accurate. And in exactly the, in in the great, they really mix that up. It is completely mixed. Um, and if you're wanting to watch something hilarious. And funny. It's a black comedy. It's weird. The Great is just you know seven hundred times better than Bridgerton. So if you haven't mm. if you haven't watched The Great and you watched Bridgerton, watch The Great and then come back to me and you know tell me if you think that Bridgerton is better than The Great. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think that's it. Like everyone wants like a nice relaxing TV show to unwind with, but we're just letting you know. Bridgerton's not it. Scroll on past that and check on one of our other recommendations instead. Absolutely. But before we get to recommendations, first let's go die on a hill. Okay, so my hill to die on this week was somewhat relevant to Bridgerton and I'm going to argue with myself just slightly because yeah I really hate I really hate when people argue the point that 
something in a TV show or a movie that's a work of fiction isn't realistic. Mm -hmm. I just... You brought this up in Love Actually as well. I've brought it up quite a few times. But, I mean, in something that's not even supposed to be realistic. So I take, for example, some friends of mine who I won't name, but they know who they are, um, (laughs) who are very into sci-fi and, you know, they'll be like, this happened and that happened and da-da-da-da-da. And then they're like, but that was so silly how that happened. That was so unbelievable. I'm like, you're watching a show about zombies, you know, or you're watching a show about a spaceship, you know, or people who are being frozen in time or, you know, giant powerful apes are running the planet. I mean, you know, that's a bad example. But you know my, you know what I mean? It's like some people will argue the point that something isn't realistic or believable and there's so many plot holes in something. Mm. But if it's not a logistical crime thriller where the details are important and, in fact, mm. they're the type of movies where the details are important because the whole point is to put a piece, put a puzzle together like that's the whole point so plot holes in a thriller in a crime in a who done it they're the things where every you know the tv show is supposed to be giving you pieces uh that you're supposed to put together and guess with all of the evidence that you have but if it's a work of fiction come on of course there's going to be plot holes that's not the point like it is at mm. the end of the it is at the end of the day a show And it's there for our entertainment. You know, it's there to be fun. It's there to be different. I found myself thinking in Bridgerton, I can't believe I don't like this show just because I like it. Just I just thought I like easy, predictable shows sometimes. I do. I mean, I just thought it's a romance, you know, it's, it's nice. I wasn't in the mood for anything serious. You know, I just watched Chernobyl. Um, (laughs) I was in the mood for something to cleanse the palate. And I just totally was like, this is so predictable. This is so boring. But I've been known to watch predictable shows. In fact, I watch movies that I know the end of constantly. Totally. And and rewatch them. You know, so, so you know what? I still am going to die on the hill that I think people argue that point too much, that there's plot holes or that something isn't believable in a show where there are so many plot holes in the premise, like it's insane sci-fi, zombies, da-da-da-da, or sometimes you just need to turn a blind eye because it is a movie. It's a movie Mm. or it's a TV show and it's entertainment. It's not a documentary. So, But don't you think... If a sci-fi or a movie is realistic enough that you think, oh, that could totally happen, it's more impactful and therefore more interesting. And therefore, if it's just like very far-fetched, it's like harder to get into it. Yeah, but at the same time, let's use an example. So let's use Orphan Black. So Orphan Black is, for anyone who doesn't know, a show about a woman who the actress plays every character that's a clone Mm. of herself Mm -hmm. in the show. Very amazing acting, great show. However, I've heard this criticised for not being realistic and I'm like, oh, come come 
on. It's a show about clones, you know, and there are so there are multiple plot holes. But what I find interesting is what people choose to pick on because I'm like, mm. come on. I mean, the whole show is silly, really. But the idea of, yeah, a real a realistic sci-fi, you know, uh, so Handmaid's Tale is an interesting mm. example of, you know, a sort of apocalyptic scenario but extremely believable. Handmaid's Tale is another one with colour blind but not colour conscious. Yes. Because they're like, oh, yeah, like there's just like racial diversity in every stratosphere of this society and it's like, so you expect audiences to believe that this like horrifically sexist society is somehow like magically less racist than American society in 2020. Yeah. In apocalyptic, like, it's just not realistic. That's why it's colorblind, not color conscious. Yes. Yes, absolutely. But it's also not properly thought through. Like, yeah. So it's interesting. And I don't know, I I don't 100% know where I draw the line. I just think that people can be quite harsh, but also very hypocritical when they argue that something isn't realistic, usually, unless it's covering a real topic. And look, I'm happy for people to criticize something like The Crown because it is based on, mm. uh, you know, I am happy for criticism to happen, but I do think there was a lot that was correct because it is very mm-hmm. real. Again, another hillside tangent. <laughs> yeah, let's just enjoy TV and movies. That's right. I hear you. Good hill, good hill. The hill I am going to die on this week is that Justin Timberlake is a dick. Oh, yes, he is. Yeah. So he's been in the media a lot lately since Britney Spears doco about her has just come out by the New York Times called Framing Britney Spears. It's not available in Australia yet, so I haven't actually seen it, but a lot of people are saying Justin Timberlake comes across really badly in it. Yeah. Again, it's appropriation. He basically profits off his relationship and breakup with Britney and, like, throws her under the bus um, and portrays this narrative that she cheated on him and tells everyone they had sex when she was saving herself for marriage and all this stuff that escalated his career. Yes, and I, I've heard the audio footage um, of him outing that he had sex with her. And yeah. they were basically, uh, I heard someone refer to it as her being deflowered before the world. Like he literally just revealed that on an interview panel show. Yeah, how invasive also that people were asking about that. It was a very so not happen now. That would so not happen now. No way. And then another thing people are also talking about with Justin Timberlake is like the whole Nipplegate incident where he pulled off Janet Jackson's (laughs) bra top and he wasn't supposed to pull the whole thing off and everything. And again, that like she got like shunned from society after that, but like he was like welcomed with open arms, even though he's the one that like pulled it off. So I don't I don't know that story. I don't recall. You don't this. know that, don't you? That was like iconic. I don't. I don't know Nipplegate, Grace. Oh my god! Google it straight after this. So basically, it was a live TV performance, and um, it was Justin Timberlake's song "Rock Your Body," and then at the end of the song, when it's like 
gonna have you naked by the end of this song. Have you naked? He pulled off her top, and he was meant to apparently leave the bra and just pull off the top, but he pulled off her whole bra. And it kind of seemed staged because she had like this weird little nipple pasty in the shape of like a star with like then her nipple poking out. And then everyone was like, oh, my God, think of the children. Like, how could they do this? And they had to apologize. Like Janet Janet Jackson had to do like one of those hostage videos with the camera where she's like I'm so sorry you know there's apology hostage videos oh my god that is so funny you're right they're like they're like hostage videos um I think that's totally staged yeah that sounds totally staged if she had stars on her nipples well your hot take is like very out of date people have moved on and are like poor Janet Jackson you sound like the media from the early 2000s where everyone uh, demonized her about it and everyone was, like, slut-shaming her and her, like, record tanked and all this stuff. Oh, the fact that she was slut-shamed is disgusting because I don't think that's okay. I mean, yeah, look, sure, people, maybe because she was wearing a skimpy thing, she thought, oh, if something goes wrong, maybe that's yeah, why, maybe that's why like she was that. wearing stars it's on like her boobs. It's, yeah, let's go with that. I agree. Um, and then one final thing about Justin Timberlake being a dick So a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about the You're Wrong About Jessica Simpson series. Yes. Similar to the You're Wrong About Diana. We clearly listen to this podcast a lot. And (laughs) something I didn't mention was that Jessica Simpson was in the Mickey Mouse Club. um, (gasps) Along Along with Britney Spears. for it and maybe she didn't get into it. Is this where the Illuminati teaches them how to do things? Yes, that is what the Illuminati think. I think actually she auditioned for Mickey Mouse Club. Oh, it's really sad, actually. They were going to take 12 kids for the Mickey Mouse Club and she got, like, down to the final 13. And then they were like, oh, you kind of sound exactly like Britney Spears. And then they only took 11 kids and they didn't take her. So, like, they totally could have taken her. They decided to take even less people. So it was, like, really harsh when she got rejected. Oh, that is so sad. (laughs) So sad. (laughs) It's like, you know what? You made it into the 12, but you're so shit. We're only taking 11. Sorry. But at Mickey Mouse audition camp, she met Justin Timberlake and (laughs) Ryan Gosling and Britney and Christina. Oh, Ryan Gosling. So she was friends with them. Yeah, Ryan Gosling was in it. Um... And so, she, you know, then Jessica Simpson goes on and lives her life. She's, like, always been friends with all of them. And then, you know, after her divorce from Nick Lachey, she was at a party and Justin Timberlake was there and they were kind of, like, getting cosy and hanging out. And at the end of the night, they kissed. And then he straight away, like, pulled out his phone and started texting someone. And she's like, is he texting another girl? Like, what's he doing? And he's like, oh, me and Ryan Gosling had a bet who was going to kiss you first at camp. I got a text Ryan Gosling. Oh, What my a loser, God. like 20 years later. What so a he's loser. a dick. <laughs> he's a dick. And, and I think dick. Ryan Gosling would have just been like, dude, why are you texting me that? Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, he's probably like, I don't know if you know this, but I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but also like, like, dude, don't be. Timberlake like, is gone. That was when we were twelve. Like now we're in our like thirties and forties. Why are you still talking about yeah, that? Yeah, let's let's move on. <laughs> and speaking of moving on, what are we recommending this week? 
My first recommendation today is a silly one. It's another silly movie on Netflix that you've probably seen spruiked a little bit because it's a Netflix original, I believe. Uh, It's got a comedian in it and it is called The Wrong Missy. Have you seen Mm. this pop up? I don't think so. (laughs) Honestly, it's got David Spade in it too. He's the love interest guy. What happens is... Uh, the premise is is dumb and it's a stupid movie and I'm not going to pretend at all that it's highbrow or anything, but it is it is funny. And he meets a woman at an airport. Her name's Missy and um, she's beautiful. He also then goes on a date with this other woman, also called Missy, and <laughs> she's crazy this date is insane and he tries to sneak out of the toilet and you know ends up falling on his back and hurting himself and she's just got a million jobs and she's very crass and loud and it's just you know very kind of cliche loud woman but she's very very funny anyway he (laughs) he decides to go on a work trip to Hawaii and bring the beautiful woman who he loves at an airport um, called Missy with him. But he accidentally texts the wrong Missy, Grace. Oh, Jesus He texts the wrong girl. So she arrives on the plane and sits next to him and she's like, I knew you were into me. Like, I knew it. I just knew it, you know? (laughs) Like, she's so funny. Honestly, I cannot remember the name of this actress, but she's phenomenal. Um, It's a really silly film, but... It sounds awful, but funny. I found myself, (laughs) I just found myself absolutely pissing myself because it was so crass. And David Spade, like, I haven't seen David Spade in anything since like just shoot me and (laughs) this comedian I've not seen in any films I think I've only seen her in like stand doing stand-up who's the comedian hang on I forgot I don't know her name because I I screenshotted it hang on I'll just quickly get it up come on internet (laughs) okay so I've just gotten the movie up on Google to find out the name of the comedian who stars in this film. Her name is Lauren Lapkus. Do you know her? Mm, vaguely rings a bell, but I can't picture Oh, you'll know her face. Anyway, but I've also just come across the Rotten Tomatoes reviews. <laughs> oh, yes. It's got 33%. So um, it's not exactly highbrow. It's a shocker. But it, it is, sounds like a good movie for when you're hungover or something. Yeah, which I was, but I hon- I honestly really enjoyed it. I thought David Spade was fantastic. She was funny. At times there was a lot of slapstick, but there are some key line deliveries that are just gold. Okay. Well, look, maybe have to check it out then. Thank you again for the community service of letting us know about a Netflix film we've all seen. I have another announcement. Lauren Lupkus was in Orange is the New Black as the really cute female guard in season one and two. Oh, the really smiley one. The really smiley one. Yeah. Oh, she's nice. She's beautiful. 
Well, yeah, no, that's great. And thank you for doing the community service of like telling us about something that we've all seen on Netflix, <laughs> even though I actually haven't seen this one. So maybe yeah, my preferences wow. do not suggest to me <laughs> that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I fun. saw it when it first dropped, you know, before the reviews came out. <laughs> yeah, no, it got like sent to the archives. Canned, yeah. <laughs> um, my first recommendation this week's also a movie. But it's a very retro one from quite a few years ago that I recently watched on Disney Plus and it still holds up and it's the Freaky Friday, the version with Lindsay Lohan and Jamie Lee Curtis. It was really good. I love that film. And you know what? I haven't seen it in years. I'd be so interested to see what my current reaction is. It actually holds up. I enjoyed it. Um, It's not problematic. Most films of that day are cringy. It's pretty good. Like, it's actually, like, I really enjoyed it. And it's got, like, really good music and um, the two leads are great. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a great record. Really good throwback. Really good Did you know that the song that Lindsay Lohan's band, like, sings, that song is by an Australian, like, pop punk band, girl band? That... Nobody knows who they are. That nobody knows. But then they gave their song to the movie, which is really cool. Then their song became big. Because I heard the song on the radio. I think that's what made me want to watch it. But it's yeah. like super catchy. I, I won't sing it, but you'll know it. If I can't like recall the song right now, but I do remember. Don't want to grow up. I want to get oh. Hey, take me away. I want to me Away, yeah. Away, 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 yeah. Okay, away. amazing. Yes. No, I recall that now. I remember thinking, I remember loving that song at the time. Yeah, completely. And don't know who sang song. it. No, like, I think they just gave the rights of it to the show, and it got released by the actresses in the show and became successful yes. that way. But, but that's a fun trivia fact about the film. Great record. You know, I can't wait to go back and watch that one. All right, my second recommendation is controversial um, because I am flipping recommendations on its head and I am providing an (laughs) anti-recommendation. So uh, public service announcement, there is a movie on Netflix and it's got a really good-looking cover art. It's got a girl with red hair. And it's got this kind of zooming uh, blur of birds across her eyes and it's called Sightless. And I thought it... Oh, I've seen the poster. It looks scary. Looks scary, yeah. So I was in the mood for a thriller and I started watching it with some friends and we actually fast-forwarded the film just to really? find out what happened and then we, we found out what happened at the end and we were like, that was not even worth us fast-forwarding this. Like I can't believe Wow. We, I can't I believe we wasted, it. you know, 45 minutes to get into it and then all of us looked at each other and we were like, should we just – it's kind of stop. like walking out of a cinema. It feels rude to stop a movie halfway. Like I just feel like a bad person. Oh, but, no. But honestly, this is – one of the worst films I've seen, um, really bad acting. She's blind and she can't see things and and scary things happen for no reason. And I don't know. 
it's it's just shocking. It's totally shocking. I don't know how it got greenlit. It goes back to my very original hill about shit films and how do True they get that. greenlit. Yeah, so um, don't watch it. PSA, it's called Sightless. The main girl in it is in that teen drama, right? Ravenswood or something. What was it called? You know that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Riversdale? Riverdale? Riverdale. Riverdale. Yeah. She was in Riverdale with the red hair, the girl with the red hair. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she was an all right actress, but like, yeah, she's horrible in this. It's horribly made, horribly directed, horribly acted. It's just, it's it's all round bad. Um, if, you, if you want to watch it and disagree with me, feel free. Um, but yeah. Otherwise, I'd give it a miss. I'd give that one a miss. Yeah. Sounds like let's steer clear. Yes. Yeah. My final recommendation is the total opposite end of the spectrum (laughs) from that. It's a beautiful show that uh, you love and you've been petitioning me to watch for ages and I finally caved and it's the marvellous Miss Maisel. Finally. it's beautiful. Like it's aesthetically and plot and funny just like everything about it's amazing so it's set in the late 50s and early 60s so it's just beautiful to look at and then it really the kind is. of premise starts with about a woman who's like a housewife and her husband is doing stand-up comedy and she's supporting him but she's actually funnier than him yeah and then he leaves her and then she starts sort of accidentally doing her own stand-up and then eventually like more seriously and it's just like a feel-good show. It's funny and it's amazing. Like I'm sorry it took me so long to watch it. I just I knew as soon as you got into it, Grace, you would be a convert and you mm. wouldn't listen to me because I just, just wasn't in the mood. I don't know. You weren't in the mood. I know, but until you started. I didn't I, get it. I, yeah. No. I wasn't in the mood when I first was told about it either. I was like, ugh, I don't know. Am I interested in this? And then as soon as I started watching it, I was like, oh, I'm an idiot. I think the main actress is so charismatic and the character is so charismatic. I think that really pulls you in. Also, the woman who plays Susie is fantastic. Uh, So Rachel Brosnahan plays Midge Maisel and the other amazing Mm. actor is Alex Borstein who plays Susie, her manager. And, Mm. oh, my God, these two are just an absolute dynamic duo, beautiful friendship, beautiful characters and... um, interesting little fact uh it's created by the same creators of my favorite show of all time the Gilmore Girls so Amy Sherman Palladino created this show and it has got so many nods to Gilmore Girls it's got so many similar themes to be fair though I think that's one reason I didn't want to watch it like I love Gilmore Girls but it's very like clean and I feel like Marvelous Miss Maisel is actually quite gritty and dark, kind of. It's like visually beautiful, but it's darker than Gilmore Girls. No, it's not. Yes, oh, it is. Look, look, realistically. It's all about like sex and divorce and drinking and cultural norms and. Ah, uh, no. I mean, I love both shows. Don't get me wrong. And it is definitely the higher, much, much higher budget version of Gilmore Girls. Um, but. 
no, I couldn't disagree with you more on on the seriousness factor, but um, we're going to do a trash on this. Once you have caught up, we're going to yeah. talk trash on Mrs. Maisel because it is okay. just brilliant and there's too much to say. Yeah, I'm finally on board and we'll definitely be talking about it on an episode soon. But next week we will be talking about something very interesting. So you may have turned on your Facebook app the other day and realised it looked a little bit different. And so we're going to sort of unpack what the hell being zucked is (laughs) (laughs) Um, and why the hell Facebook and Google have threatened and in Facebook's case stopped allowing our news on Facebook. Yeah, it's really dystopian, actually. And yeah, really interesting because it's these big multinational corporations saying like, oh, we're the victims of the Australian government. It's so sad for being us. And then um, blocking the news. So yeah, very shocking. And we will get Mm. into it all next week and tell you the who, what, where, when, why. Yeah, absolutely. Because I still, I'm really confused by the whole thing, to be honest. Mm. So super weird. It is. It is. And then to mix things up and take a lighter track, we're going to talk about a certain rom-com that actually was released 18 years ago today. Holy crap. Yeah. 18 years ago today, it can legally drink. It's the film How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Yeah. It's an absolute classic and we've done a lot mm-hmm. of current things lately and um you know we've taken some risks on some movies and sometimes you just want to you know sort of unpack that comfy pair of old jeans um <laughs> and watch totally. a easy movie that you've seen before and that you know you, that you enjoy but it's been quite a long time so you're hoping you still like it <laughs> yeah Here's hoping. So dust off your love fern and say hi to Princess Sophia for us. Because <laughs> next week we're watching How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Oh, everyone loves a love fern. And make sure it's not pointy. So <laughs> <laughs> until then, we'll see you next Tuesday. Just a reminder that we are savvy individuals and not experts. If you need some real advice, please contact someone who knows. Trash and Treasury is produced, authorised and sponsored by us because we did it ourselves. (laughs) 